Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Come on, say it with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the Word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands. Say it with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Now, one more time before your seat, I just want all the dads to say that. Dads, come on. Let's lift up our hands. Say it with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me. Come on, give the dads a big hand. Thank you, dads. All right. Give somebody a hug on the way down. Tell them they're looking good. If you got a daddy in the room, tell them happy Father's Day again. Such an honor to be with you on Father's Day. And uh, it's great to have the privilege not just to be the pastor of Elevate Life Church, but to be a spiritual father in this house. And I hope that, that if there's one thing you can count on is that from time to time, God may and will use me as a, a father voice in your life if your father never spoke into your life. And that's my hope today, is that you'll hear not just my voice, but you'll hear the voice of the Father God for you and his love for you. And uh, because he loves you very, very much. And that leads me to my first point. I'm going to talk about how to be a goat dad. We got the shirt. You need to get the shirt. Goat dad. Greatest of all time, that's our goal as dads, not just to be a dad, not just one who, who procreates, who progenerates, not just one who can plant seed, but one who can make a difference and live the legacy that he wants to leave in the earth. How to be a goat dad. Here's number one. Goat fathers are love leaders. Goat fathers are love leaders. 1 John, the third chapter and the first verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, how great is the love of the Father, we sang about it, has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. I love what the Message Bible says. They're going to put it on the screen for you. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. And you say, man, I just don't feel like I come from much. I don't feel like I've got that much of a legacy or a heritage or, or a lineage. Let me tell you something. God loves you. He's your father. And it doesn't matter who he used to get you here. The bottom line is he is the father of fathers. Amen. So let's give God the father a big, gigantic hand today. Thank you, God, for loving us that we get to be called children of God. We're created in his image, by the way, to image him. He has supernaturally endowed us and empowered us to be like him. That's why we need to come to the house of God, because this is the equipping station that we learn how to be God-like and go into the world and show people what God's like by the way that we live our life. Amen? A couple of uh, leadershipologies that I've written. You know, somebody asked me recently, I was doing a little bit of coaching, and they said, what do you consider yourself to be, like a coach or what? I've said, really, a leadershipologist. 
uh, because I look through everything for, through the lens of leadership. And leadership is really a, it's sort of a, uh, the word I'm looking for is convergence of godly wisdom. It's the ability to differentiate between good and best. Uh, leadership is a way of looking at life through your own prism of personal growth and development. In fact, the, 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 the reason we all need to be lifelong learners is because we all have potential that's not been reached yet. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your life experience is. We need to be lifelong learners because as a part of leadership, you need to understand that the most important thing you'll ever do and the most difficult thing you'll ever do is to lead yourself. And uh, Tim, I see you, by the way, happy Father's Day, and your beautiful wife sitting next to you. And I think about her as a coach. You know, as a coach, uh, she coaches softball in Salina. Is that right? You guys are champions, right? Of course you are. And uh, anyway, she's a champion coach. But I was just thinking that as a coach, you hope that whatever position that you have assigned that player, that they've done the hard work, that they've done the practice, so that they're not just an individual player, but they're a contributor to the team. And some people in life don't know that there's a role that they play. May not be a softball player, but it's a mom, it's a dad, it's, it's a friend, it's a lover, it's, it's uh, an employee or an employer, it's an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur. You say, what's an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is your, you, you work for somebody, but you work like you own it. In other words, you make it happen, and it happens because of you. So it's not whose name is on the door that's most important, but you're a part of it, and therefore you make it better because you're a part of it. So, so with that said, that leadership is, is an ability to, to be wise, Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you, anybody that, that asks. In fact, anytime I quote this, I'm going to ask for it. Somebody lift up your hands. Come on. Just say, God, I need your wisdom. He says, if you lack it, ask it, and I'll give it to you. I'm your father. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the ability not to differentiate between good and evil, but good and best so that you, you can live your best life. But then also, leadership is, is the ability or the capacity of a person to personally grow and develop that empowers them or empowers you to help other people do the same. So again, when we talk about leadership, when I give you a leadershipology, it's a, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of being, it's a way of doing. It's, it's leading yourself, first of all, so that you're qualified to lead one other person. And if you're qualified to lead one person, you're qualified to lead a team. If you're qualified to lead a team, you're qualified to lead an organization. If you're qualified to lead an organization, you can leave a legacy. So there's a lot to that. But but I just want you to know, we give you a leadershipology. There's a lot of thought behind it. And it's always based on the word. And here's the first one. Let love be your greatest aim. That's actually a scripture in the Bible. Attend to what needs attention. Initiate what needs to happen. Make what is possible, possible. You see, make what is possible, possible. By the way, what does the Bible say about what's possible? With man, things are impossible. But with God, watch this. All things are possible. So, so as a love leader, as a father, let love be your greatest aim. And by the way, when I was pointing to that, it wasn't so that would disappear. 
I was pointing to that because I was pointing something out. So if you guys could put that back up there for just a second. Thank you very much. Okay, so, so let love be your greatest aim. So watch this. Just think about this through, the, through the, the paradigm of a father. Attend to what needs attention. Initiate what needs to happen. One quality of all leaders is they're initiators. What, what needs to happen in your marriage? Initiate it. What needs to happen on your job? Initiate it. What needs to happen in your house? Initiate it. And then make what is possible, possible. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, say it. Say, that's me. So goat fathers are love leaders. Another leadership apology. The lessons of fatherhood are unconditional love, serving, tenderness, quality time, mercy, generosity, forgiveness, standards, and leadership. I believe that the greatest gift that you can give anybody is a healthy you. I want you to really hear what I'm about to tell you. The greatest gift that you'll ever give any person is a healthy you. Not money, not a roof over their head. The greatest gift you give anybody is a healthy you. And today I'm happy to tell you that my father passed away three years ago and he gave me a healthy him. It wasn't until my father had passed away that my mother shared with me things that had happened in my father's life that I was not aware of. And yet I never knew it. My father's father killed his sister. He said the gun accidentally went off, but everybody knew the gun didn't accidentally went off, and it caused a divorce in their family because... Now, today, that wouldn't, that, that wouldn't fly, but in Muskogee, Oklahoma, way back in the late 30s and early 40s, oh, the gun went off. And the local sheriff, who's your friend, says, oh, sorry about that. That's a horrible tragedy. I didn't know about that. I didn't know until after my dad passed away that my mom said, you know, you're your dad was sexually molested when he was seven years old. You see, the greatest gift you can give somebody is a healthy you. And maybe sometimes that's not to pass the family junk on from generation to generation and always to be pointing back about what your daddy or your granddaddy or somebody did that they shouldn't have done. My father never said a negative word about his dad, who I only met one time. Many of you heard this story, but I can't tell the story without telling you this, that my dad gave me the gift of significance, of significance. I, I, I can't describe how much that means to me, because how, how does somebody give you the gift of significance? How does somebody make you feel significant? But I can tell you, at 58, I look back on what my dad gave me, and that was one of the greatest gifts he gave me because I was about 11 years old. And again, just bear with me because I know especially the men in the house have heard this story, and I, I've shared it all over the world from, from South Africa to everywhere I've gone, Australia, and, and talking to men. He said, come get in the car with me. And I said, where, where are we going to go? And he said, does it matter? I always thought that was funny. You know, there's always, everybody wants to know where you're going, but my dad didn't care about where we were going. He just wanted us to be with him. And most of the time, I grew up in South Dallas and Oak Cliff, Cockrell Hill, to be specific. Oh, thank you for giving a woo-woo. 
But in my neighborhood, I don't know what it was. There's a lot of junkyards. And uh, right off of Jefferson, I, I knew that if, if it was Saturday, we were going to go to the junkyard. My dad just loved to troll. Like he, he loved to troll the junkyard and go, oh, that's a 1957 Chevrolet. Hey, let's get that hubcap. What for? I don't know. I just want one. Anyway, that kind of just weird stuff. Our garage was just literally, my dad was a hoarder, but you know, I didn't, we didn't, nobody knew to call it a hoarder, but we had a garage, and from the floor to the ceiling, it was stacked up. You got to know, in my little mind, because I had the gift of leadership that wasn't just something that started when I was an adult, but I would look at things and I'd go, okay, this needs to change. And uh, so I would walk out there and I'd organize everything. I'd, I'd create paths that you could actually walk in the garage. And so, so my dad would come out, what have you done? I said, I've organized. Dad, that's, that's, that's what I do. So anyway, so I always like to know where I was going, not just, hey, let's get in the car. And uh, so... He said, just come on, let's go. So we got in his 1968 Barracuda. Now, some of y'all, y'all don't know, y'all don't know about the 1968 Barracuda, but had 160 miles an hour on the speedometer, and uh, it could go, 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 go. In fact, was it 68, Chris, that the Cuda, the Barracuda, now I call it Cuda now, but the Barracuda, actually, if you went and bought the one with the Hemi in it, that it actually said what? Not, not, to, not to use it on the street. It had plastic windows to, to make it go faster. Anyway, my dad was a cop, and I don't know where he got this car. And, uh, but he messed me up with cars, by the way. Like, I'm a car guy. I love cars. And he didn't care about cars. Like, he didn't even know. Like, he goes, hey, come on, come on, let's go. I walked outside. There's a 68 Barracuda. I go, I'm like, oh, my goodness. He goes, what? I go, this car. He goes, college, come on. So we get in, and, and we just head out, head down 75. I said, where are we going? We drove an hour, drove two hours. All of a sudden, we arrived in his hometown, Muskogee, Oklahoma. We get there, and we drive a little bit, and I, we went into what was the, arguably the worst neighborhood then and even now I've seen. I've seen the slums of South Africa. I'm talking about it, was, it wasn't a shanty, but it, only because it was, it was originally built on a foundation. Old, white, dilapidated, broken-down house, no front door except for a screen door that was all messed up, and no windows on the house with, with glass in them. I mean, there were windows, but broken out. And we go through the front door of this house. It's a dirt. There's a dirt floor, and there's feces everywhere. There's a couple of dogs, a couple other kind of animals. And one piece of furniture in that room was an old, dilapidated couch with an old man sitting over in the corner. I thought, what in the world? I'm just thinking in my mind, what in the world? And my, I was holding my dad's hand, and we walk over there, and my dad said, and I heard him say for the first time, hey, dad. So I don't know what you came from, but this is what I come from. And uh, I saw a man that didn't have any teeth. My dad said, this is my son, Keith. He didn't even look at me, didn't acknowledge me, didn't say anything to me. And my dad had a, a bag with some money in it and some candy. And he said, I want to give this to you. And they started talking a little bit. And more of that guy sounded like he was just moaning back to my dad. And, and I remember I walked away, I think in my mind, what in the world? Like I was this kid, I'm thinking, what in the world? And we walk outside, and I grab my dad's hand, and I said, Dad, I, I never want to come back here. And he said, that's why I brought you here. He said, because this is where we're from, but this is not who we are. He said, I wanted you to see it. Now, let me tell you something. Some people can never get past where they're from. The, most, the greatest gift you can give anybody is a healthy you. And if your dad didn't fix it from his downline, you fix it. 
I said, if your dad didn't fix it, you fix it because you can. Don't keep bringing your dad's whatever or what he wasn't or how he wasn't there or your problems because quit being that way and quit using it as an excuse to make you an idiot. I'm talking to you as a dad now. Somebody put an amen on that. We don't have an excuse. You know why? Because your daddy is not you. And that may be what you're from, but that isn't what defines you. We have a heavenly father that has lavished his love upon us. And that's what we focus on. So my dad gave me the gift of significance. He also gave me the gift of strength. My name, Kraft, means strength. Do I have an option? No. I've got to be strong. I wanted to show you this picture because this is my dad. This is what I came from. I mean, this is my dad and me. We were out in front of a, of a restaurant, and he goes, hey, let's take a picture together. So we took this picture. Well, that's a, not, not, not that picture, but we did take this picture of my dad and my mom and I. Anyway, you're fired. Okay, so, uh, oh, wait, I can't fire you. You're a servant leader. Would you please get it right? I'm just joking. Anyway, all right. Oh, thank you. All right, so this is my dad. I was as big as my dad when I was 11. My mother's 5'6". Six. I'm 6'6". Six, six. In fact, the more I think about it, I don't even think he was my dad. But I bear his name, and I'm grateful for it. When we were growing up, we had a lot of talks in our family about who we were as a family. Sometimes when there was bad behavior, not every time, but sometimes I'd say, we're crafts, and we don't act like that. You have, your last name is Kraft. That's why we don't have bad attitudes. You're a craft. That's why we strive to be our best for God, because you're a craft. It's not like be a good little boy and be a good little girl. No, here's your identity. Here's who we are. This is how we act. And they had to decide to do it. But several years ago, I'd always wanted a family crest, and Josh and I were talking, and he said, Dad, I've, I've come up with a family crest. And so, Josh, I want you to go ahead and come up here, just right here, if you would. And this is our family crest that Josh uh, designed for us pretty simple because he's a minimal millennialist, but, uh, you know, millennials are very minimal. I would have put like color and probably a, a what's those things women wear with feathers on them? A, a bola, probably around there. You know, so, no, but seriously, Josh, uh, show them your tattoo, son. You've got a tattoo. Show it to them. You tattooed it yeah, on your you body. Go. This is permanent. That's permanent. Yeah, it's, it's there. I love that. It's not a sticker. Um, yeah, someone said that. I can't take credit That's, for that joke. Talk, talk about what, for our family, what that family crest is. Yeah, means. well, I didn't just design it. We worked on it together. Yeah. You know, it was probably a, a two-day deal that we worked on. And um, so there's five things that, we've, that my dad has always talked to us about as his kids that he wants us to be known for. And those five things are honor, positive attitude, spirit of excellence, generosity. And he wants us to be leaders, leaders of ourselves first so that we can have the opportunity to lead other people. And so really these, these four symbols embody uh, those five things. So the crown, one of the things the crown represents in heraldry, a lot of this is from like heraldry and we did, we did a lot of research and studying this, but um, the crown represents leadership, the heart represents a positive attitude and it also represents honor. The book represents excellence and the tree, trees are representative of generosity. And so they mean a lot of other things too, but those are like really the core things that those things mean. And uh, that's probably the only tat tattoo that I'm going to have, I think. 
I'm not really a tattoo person either, but whenever, whenever I got this tattoo, I called my dad and I asked him permission. At, uh, I was 20, uh, I've been 20, no, I was 29. It was two years ago, right? So, yeah, it's two years ago. So, 30, 31 next month. So, I guess 29, yeah, we were really, You're math is not on there. So, um, <laughs> No, there is no math. So I, I called him and I said, you know, uh, a lot of people like really like tattoos. I'm, I really like them. I don't really want to have a bunch of them. Um, but I, this isn't something. I've always said you don't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. Yeah. That's been my, that's, you know, I'm not going to put exactly. Shackley on my Ferrari. Shackley? Yeah, Shackley. You millennials don't know, but what they used it? to be is a network a... marketing company. <laughs> anyway, or I'm not going to put ID Life on my oh. bumper either. But anyway, so, or whatever uh, network marketing company you work so, for. Um, so anyway, we are off the rails. It's second service, and uh, hi, McKinney. But it's Hope okay it's to right put over there. your network marketing fun. company on your bumper. We're having fun. It's authentic. Yes. Um, so but anyway, that's the way I've always seen tattoos. Yes, sir. So back to what I was saying. That was. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring it back. We're gonna bring it back in. So on on when I when I got this tattoo, I called my dad. I called my parents and I asked permission. And I said, this isn't something that I would ever uh, I would never mind explaining this for the rest of my life to people because I'm grateful to be uh, a part of this legacy and I'm grateful to to get the chance to carry this on. And my dad was like, yeah, sure, I'm going to go get one. And my mom goes, no, don't do it. <laughs> and um, so anyway. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe for Father's Day, maybe I'll get one. See her, shake, see her shaking her head. This defies me. I mean, Keela messed our whole family up. She's got six and is looking for more places. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, so, huh? Hold my standard. I'm getting a, a tattoo, all right. So, so, anyway, how many of you think I should get a tattoo of our family crest? How many of you like me are totally against that? Okay, if I do it, please still come to our church. Don't think, oh, he's trying to be an example up there and he's got a freaking mark on his arm. Somewhere in the Bible it says, don't mark your body and tattoo yourself and all those religious spirits go to hell. Anyway, so, just kidding. Oh, I was saying that for a friend of mine. Okay, so, listen to this. Thank you. My dad also gave me the gift of sweetness and... Um, I'm, I'm very strong, but there's also a very sweet side that I credit. My, my dad was the sweetest man, really, I ever met. He was a cop. He, he was the guy you wanted to arrest you. I'm just telling you. He, he was going to be nice to you. And it, what's, I've got to share this. I didn't share this in the first service. And it's okay that this is recorded because this person will probably never see it. But uh, yesterday, my mother, uh, by the way, it's Father's Day, so we're just having some family talks here. Yesterday, my mother... Uh, buried her best friend of 62 years. And so she was like a second mom to me and very, very precious, very sweet lady. And um, anyway, there was somebody in her family, that's all I'm going to say, that my dad employed. And 
but this person really struggled with alcoholism. And so at that time, my dad was uh, the president of a trucking company in New Orleans. And, and so anyway, this, th these were very expensive, very high dollar trucks, like Peterbilt trucks, and they would haul these big loads. Well, this guy was found drunk in his truck and uh, on the side of the road and run off the road in a gigantic truck with a big load and it's very dangerous. So obviously my dad had to let him go. Well, because this is my mother's best friend's family member, it obviously made it a little bit difficult. But anyway, so this is so because you just got to know my dad. My dad never raised his voice at me one time. Very sweet, very gentle, very, you know, I failed at that like when Josh was two months old. <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, so uh, <laughs> why are you making that noise? But anyway, so, um, <laughs> but my dad, my calm dad, my sweet dad, He's sitting behind his desk, and he tells the guy, well, I'm going to have to let you go. And the guy's drunk. All of a sudden, he goes, you son of a... And I won't finish the... Anyway, he jumps up and charges my dad and grabs my dad's desk and starts turning it over on my dad. Now, here's my gentle dad. He stands up, and he pushes the desk back, and he goes, listen, you need to sit down. The guy attacks him. My dad... Now, listen, this is Jimmy the cop. My dad... This, but this is later in his life. He attacks, this guy attacks him. And my dad, my brother walks in because my brother worked for my dad. My dad's got this guy in a headlock. Just bow, bow, bow. And then he takes his head and rams it against the wall. The guy knocks, gets knocked out. My dad puts him on the couch, sets him down there. And he gets, he comes to and goes after my dad again. It's like, you don't, like, my dad's very sweet. But he was, like, very strong. When my dad was in his 70s, when he was in his 70s, he said, Dad, he goes, Keith, uh, I need you to come over to my house. I go, well, what are we going to do? He goes, uh, I need you to help me move a pool table. <laughs> so I go, well, how many guys do we got? He says, you and me. <laughs> so at that time, I'm, like, in my early 30s, and I'm, I'm like, 280. I'm pretty strong at that point. And... So it wasn't just one of those pool tables that you buy at a pool table place. It was a metal pool table like you see at a bar. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, keep your hands up. See those people? They know. Uh, they, 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 oh, yeah, no, I know. Anyway, so, so, oh, yeah. Anyway, so, so, so we go in the house, and I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way. I'm thinking there's no way. My dad gets on the end of this metal pool table, Gets behind him and picks it up. He goes, All right, let's, let's go. I'm down there going. So he's, he stops and he says, he says, Keith, use your legs. I'm very strong, but I'm faster than I'm strong in my legs. Anyway, we got the pool table out and on a trailer. He was 70 plus. I can't remember. But he's like, he's like going, are you, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like dying. Anyway, my dad gave me the gift of significant strength and sweetness. And I don't know as a dad what you can give to your children, but as a love leader, you're assigned to give them your greatness. The second thing is goat fathers are patterns to follow. The job of a father is to lead himself to give honor to the heavenly father and lead his family with followable excellence. 
The greatest thing you can do, the greatest legacy a father can leave his children is that he put God first with his time, with his talent, and with his treasure. So goat fathers are, are to be patterns to follow. Most of us do not understand the power of a pattern because our parents weren't intentionally being a pattern. Our dads weren't intentionally being a pattern for us to follow. But the Bible is full of patterns. Let me just start with this. Exodus 25, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. This is God. Father, bring me the sacred offerings. Accept contributions from all those whose hearts are moved to offer them. And then I'll skip down. He says, he says, List the sacred offerings that you may accept, gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen and goat hair of cloth and tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for lamps and spices for anointing oil, fragrant incense, onyx stones, gemstones, on and on. And then he goes, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern. Everybody say pattern. That I show you. Now, fast forward to the book of Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Here is the main point. We have a high priest. Everybody say Jesus. Who sat down in the place of honor besides the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord, not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices. And let me just stop right here and say this. This isn't the Old Testament, but there, everything in the Old Testament was a shadow. It was a pattern. We're going to read that in just a minute. But every man, every dad is a priest, is a high priest in his own house. And what does it say? Since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. How did our high priest make an offering? He gave himself. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there are already priests who offer gifts required by law. They serve, now listen to this, in a system of worship that is only a copy. So we're not under the law, but the law showed us some patterns. A shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, which is just what we read in Exodus 25, but now we're in Hebrews, God gave him this warning. Here's what he said. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern. Everybody say pattern. I have shown you here in the mountain, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So we don't understand this, but I want to bring it very strongly into your sphere today. That goat fathers, greatest of all time fathers, are patterns. They live their life in an intentional way as a pattern. They handle their finances in an intentional way as a pattern. They lead themselves in their marriage intentionally because guess what? Whether you know this or not, whether it is entered into your 24-7 awareness, your children are watching every move. They're watching every attitude. They're watching every good decision and they're watching every bad decision. They're deciding along the way, this is somebody I want to follow or this person is crazy. 
And unfortunately, most people live on that side of it. I don't want to be like my dad. Or they don't have a dad, and they've had no pattern. And that's what makes the house of God so important, is because this place, not just this house, but us as a people represent a pattern for God in the earth. That's the reason we first fruit. That's the reason we give. That's the reason we build God a house. That's why we are his sons and daughters in the earth. It is our responsibility to follow him and then create enough followable excellence that people can follow us and they want to follow us. So in scripture, why is it that God would use patterns? Because he doesn't want you to be left alone. So you say, where does the pattern start? I I don't have time to go into this, but I'm going to give you something real quick. Everything from the seven days of creation were a pattern. And that's where it starts. So the world was void. Does that sound like our world today? The world was full of darkness. Does that sound like the world today? Yes. The world was in chaos. Does that sound like the world today? And God saw this, and the first act of God was, as the Father, he said, let there be light. Come on, everybody say it. Let there be light. And the Bible says, and there was light. So that's the first duty. That's the first pattern of every son and daughter of God is that in any chaos, in any void, in any darkness, where there's confusion, you are the light bringer. We're sons. So if God did that as our father, he says, now you're created in my image to bring light on your job, to bring light in your marriage, to bring light in your family. The second thing God did on the second day is he created the heavens. You say, what does that represent? It represents atmosphere. So every son and daughter of God, but specifically I'm talking to to fathers today, is to create an atmosphere, watch this now, where the supernatural reigns over the natural. That's why God didn't create the earth first, he created the heavens first. Because we have the power to bring God's super into our natural. That's our superpower. I said, that's your superpower. The third thing that God did is he created the earth. The earth represents structure. So I want you to see the pattern. There's light. Now, wherever there's darkness, wherever there's chaos, wherever there's void, I have the power, because I'm created in the image of God, to do what God does, to bring light, and then to create an atmosphere where God's super can override the natural. And then watch what happens. Then structure starts. You know that what children need almost as much as your love? It is a close second. Structure. And yet so many parents are trying to be their children's friends that they don't give them any structure. But watch this. Structure. The earth represents structure. On the fourth day, listen to this, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars to govern, the sun to govern the earth by day, and the moon, the Bible says, to govern or rule the night. What does, what does four represent? What does God creating the sun and the moon and the stars represent? Order. So I want you to see this. This is the pattern in Scripture. On the first day, the, the earth was, was, it was without form. It was, it was void. It was full of darkness. Your family is without form. Your business is without form. There's chaos. There's darkness. Until somebody says, let there be light. Then once the light is shined, and by the way, the devil can only dwell in darkness. Once the light is shined, which you have the power to proclaim and to bring, then 
You can, you're creating an atmosphere. Watch, now things are seen. Now, God, I don't walk by the things that are seen, but I walk by faith, not by sight. So I invite heaven into my earth. I invite, God, your super into my natural. So now I'm creating a supernatural atmosphere. Then structure. I always ask the, the people that I coach, what's the most important part of a water fountain? A lot of people say, well, the, the button, the, where the water comes out, uh, the water. No, it's the part of the water fountain you can't see. It's the plumbing. It's the structure. The water fountain doesn't matter if the structure's not right. Your marriage doesn't matter if the structure's not right. Your family doesn't matter if the structure's not right. The structure is the structure is the structure. You see, here's, hey, I'm, I'm flowing up here, y'all. Can I tell you, my, my brain's working, and my brain's important. My heart's working. It's important. But watch this. This structure that you don't see that makes me able to move and flow and take dominion, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, your bones are your structure. The bones of your marriage. The bones of your life. The bones of your business. Fourth day, watch this. Sun, moon, stars, order. Once there's structure, there can be order. What's all the chaos in the world right now? Just look at those four things. That when there's darkness, watch this. There's the wrong atmosphere. When there's the wrong atmosphere, there's no structure, and there's disorder everywhere. On the fifth day, God created everything that moves. Watch this. All the animals, every, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air. Why? Because when you get the light right, the atmosphere right, the structure right, and things are in order, everything can move in the right direction. On the sixth day, God created man. Wow. He created man. On the sixth day, he saved his best for last. Why is that? What is it that God is saying? We are created in the image of God to govern and to rule. Now, I could go on and on and on, but that's where the Bible starts. So the Bible is full of patterns. So dads, can I just encourage you today? Be a goat father that every decision you make is not just, let's see, what should I do right now? No, what I do right now is going to create a pattern in my family. Oh, there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. Mm -mm. Nobody ever picks up a, a, a glass of wine or beer and says, you know what my goal is? My goal is to be an alcoholic. My goal is to lose my family. Is to lose. Nobody picks up their first beer. That's why I've never drank a beer. That's why I don't drink. I'm not here to condemn you that you do, but that, I wish I could say it, but I can't. It's not going to happen in my family. So I'm the dad. So I decide what comes into the family, and alcohol is not coming into my family. I grew up in a home where we had an open bar in our house. I don't know where you grew up, but it ain't about, oh, there's nothing wrong with drinking. It ain't about that. Everything I do is a pattern. I said, everything I do is a pattern. And by the way, if I don't handle whatever I decide to do well, that becomes a pattern too in my family. That's the big deal about divorce. I've told Sheila, you do not have an option to divorce me. Because if you leave, I'm going with you. Now, here's my point. I don't want divorce in my family because then that creates a pattern. I'm not saying that's for anybody to feel bad. I'm just telling you, every decision you make has the potential to be a pattern in your downline. You have to decide, no matter what mistakes you've made, today's a new day. I'm going to develop some new patterns and God's hand is going to be on my life and on my family in Jesus' name. Dads, your decisions are very important.
my dad, I want you to think about it for a minute. I never knew by his behavior or by his dysfunction that his dad had killed his sister. So there's murder in my upline. That he had been sexually molested. That there's sexual perversion in my upline. And my dad, who didn't even know God until he was 67, said that stops here, that stops now. And guess what? I'm a healthy 58-year-old minister of the gospel because my dad didn't mess me up. But can I tell you something? Even if he had, I still would have a decision to make. You see, we're patterns. And then here's the last thing. The last thing is goat fathers make miracles happen. God gives every man who becomes a father the power to be a father like him. The greatest privilege of any father can ever have is to think like God, be like God, and do like God and do what God does. That's why we prophesy that over you at the start of every service every week. God, help me elevate my thinking. Holy Spirit, help me to be led by you so you can elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life. Help me to think like God, be like God, do like God. That if I really don't just say that, but I really desire that, God empowers, especially fathers. Acts 2, verse 24, but God, everybody say the Father, raised him, everybody say the Son, from the dead, freeing him, the Son, from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. What is God the Father saying right there? Well, he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We go, yay. He says, no, 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 that's half of it. The other half is, if I'm a father and I do that, you have the power to do that. To save those that are around you from the agony, watch this, of death. And then the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 14. By his power, the Father, come on, everybody say it, the Father, by his power, God raised the Lord, the Son, from the dead, and he will raise us up also. What is a goat dad, a greatest of all time dad, a, a man of God, a, 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 a dad that's saying, I want to be a pattern for you, God. And just by virtue of saying, I want to be that for you, God, God says, now I can empower you to be that. Most men do not know the power that they have. I'm t- I'm, most people don't. But I want to talk to the men for just a second. You don't know. You have authority. It doesn't matter where you are with your kids right now. You still have a God-ordained anointing and an authority to speak things over your children, even your adult children, that nobody else can because you're that guy. You're that guy. So my dad didn't know this. So when I was about 33, I, I got my older brother, who was 35, and my younger sister, who was 32, and I said, we're going over our parents' house. They said, well, what for? I said, just go with me. Learned that from my dad. <laughs> we get over there, and I call my mom and dad in the room. I said, Dad, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something. He said, okay. I said, I'm going to ask you to bless us. And he goes, well, okay. I'd never at that point heard my dad pray, ever. I said, so dad, if you'll allow me to, I want to walk this through. I want to help, help you do this. 
I said, would you let me help you? He said, yes. I said, okay, I'd like you to start with Bruce, and I want you to put your hand on Bruce, and I'm going to pray a prayer, and you repeat the prayer after me. And so my dad said, okay. And I led my dad in a prayer to pray and bless my older brother. Then I said, put your hands on Cindy. And he laid his hands on, on my sister. And I said, pray this prayer, Dad. And he prayed the prayer and he blessed my sister. And then he got to me and you should have heard that prayer. I mean, I was leading him. So I thought, okay, he's going to be rich. He's going to do anyway. So here's my point. My dad didn't even know he had the power to say the words that I can't say, but I could help him say so that I had the blessing of the Father on my life. Now, here's what I'm telling you. In this house, you have a Father that has that revelation. And when I get up here and I speak over your life, you can, it can go in one ear and out the other, but someday, if you'll let it, the thing that I'll say to you, when I say June is Miracle Month, it's gonna be a miracle month because God's called me to be the father of this house. So guess what? As the dad, I speak over your life every day. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And I'm not saying that as Keith Craft. I'm not saying that just as a minister, as a son of God, anointed and appointed to be not just a pastor, but a father of this house. I speak to you like a father and in the name of Jesus, what I say is what he says and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You believe it or not, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So I take that very seriously. And you should too. That when you don't feel like your kids are listening to you, just remember, I have the authority and I'm anointed to say this. And I'm going to say it whether you get it or not. You're going to have to hear me say it until you do get it. Romans 8, 11. Yes, go ahead. It's all good. It's all good. I got that baby fired up. That's what I do. <laughs> the Spirit of God. Everybody say the Father. Amen. Who raised Jesus, the Son. Say the Son. Amen. From the dead lives in you. Amen. And just as God the Father raised Jesus, the Son, from the dead. Here's the good news. He will give you life in your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's a good place. Everybody got to just say, thank you, Lord. Just say, thank you. Come on. Thank you, Lord. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit, watch this now, joins with our spirit to affirm that I'm not Jim Craft's son. No, he just got me here. And I honor him as my earthly father. But he, God affirms me that I'm his child. And since we are his children, doesn't matter how poor your earthly daddy was or what you came from, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.